for this morning's service, and uh, what a great enthusiasm right here in New York City to hear people singing about the Lord and praising His name and quoting His Word. What a grand opportunity that is for us uh, today. A little, a little place like heaven right here in the middle of this big city, and I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to have God's Word planted uh, so in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, intentionally, and I'm glad to see uh, the several times that we visit here the many uh, changing, evolving things that are going on with the building, and good to see the congregation growing, the number of people growing, and it's our delight to be here. I'd like for my wife to stand. I think most of you know her. And uh, we, uh, it's my wife, Judy, and she spoke to the ladies' meeting. I get more and more occasions now that since she's speaking, they say, well, you might as well preach because you're going to be there anyway. It used to work the other way, and now it's reversed, and she's become uh, quite a ladies' uh, meeting speaker, and we're thankful for that. Uh, and we will, if we survive till September, be married 50 years. And she's the lady that brought me to church the first time, and I got saved. And so we're thankful for that. Glad to have visitors here. I assume students, I don't know, but from Japan and also Russia, happy to have you with us in the services today. You know, uh, it's a good thing to be a Christian, and uh, certainly a life-changing event. And I'd like for you to open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. I really enjoyed the Sunday school story. You know, I've, I've thought a lot about stories. I've never heard uh, anybody say what your pastor said this morning, <laughs> but Jesus used stories all the time. And I like to use stories and uh, uh, stories about uh, real-life experiences in talking to people about the Lord. But I've been in places where the pastors will say, usually at a preacher's meeting, they don't like people that tell stories. And what they really mean is they don't want to hear your stories because they tell stories. Uh, they, they're the very ones that tell stories. So I, Jesus did it, and I like to do it, and your pastor uh, likes to do it. And what a good lesson it was this morning. In fact, in Psalm 78, I'd like for you to look with me in verse 1. Let's stand together. If you're able, I'd like for you to stand while we uh, give reverence to the Word of God. In verse number 1, it says, Give ear. O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word, and thank you for the testimony that you've raised up in this place and the number of people that have come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior 
through the preaching of your word. We're thankful, Lord, that you've made it simple and chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And you've told us that if we had the simple faith of a child, that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. We're so thankful for that. For, Lord, many of us would be left out if it required more. And we're thankful that you've given to us the ability to understand your word by the aid of the Holy Spirit. We pray that he might work in our midst today and pray, Lord, that you'll do that which seems good in your sight. I pray that you'd help me, for without you I know that I can do nothing. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. (coughs) Old-fashioned Baptist Bible preaching churches are becoming more and more rare. And I'm delighted to see the project which your pastors entered into uh, with the Union uh, Baptist Church building and hopefully the restoration and, uh, rena- and uh, reviving of that great uh, opportunity over in Brooklyn. But the newfangled progressive ministries seem to flourish, don't they? I mean, you give people something that makes them feel good and something that uh, seems like it's free for nothing. It seems like that's what the world's looking for. seems like today if you planned a holiday trip or a, um, you know, something that they could benefit from, they'd all go for that. But just to get together to love missionaries and win souls and pray for each other, that's, that's becoming uh, more and more of a rarity. And uh, entertainment programs seem to be on the venue today. It seems like everybody wants to be entertained. They want to compare Christianity with Hollywood and with what's going on in the world. And Christianity really has very little to do with Hollywood. Christianity has to do with the Word of God, has to do with what God said and what His Word teaches. And so we have a responsibility, as we've read about here in Psalm 78, to transmit to future generations what God has done for us in the past. And we all have a past. Amen? I said we all have a past, and we all all have a closet, and I, I read this one morning in my early devotions, and I, and I said, what are the dark sayings that David was talking about here? Is there some secret that God has that, that only David knew about? And what, was he, what did he indicate here by saying, I will, I will make the dark sayings known? And he used two other words. He used the word parable, and he used the word um, uh, the parable, uh, which means a simple story that used to illustrate a spiritual lesson or a moral truth. And then he used uh, the word proverb uh, in Proverbs 1, where he used the word proverb in connection again with this phrase, dark sayings, in Proverbs 1, 5, and 6. And uh, he said, the interpretation of the words of the wise and their dark sayings, to understand a proverb. So I was trying to figure out what was he talking about. He used the word parable and proverb and dark sayings all in the same context. And here in Psalm 78, he says, um, I will open my mouth. And that's the first thing I want to say. David said, I will open my mouth. Wouldn't it be good if God's people learned to say something? I mean, many times we, 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 we are what the world calls the silent majority. We, we, we believe something, we know something, we trust something, but we don't say anything. And we don't open our mouth. And David said, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to open my mouth. And, and uh, I, I have a blessing to share with you this morning. We got a text message early this morning from a lady named Leanne, who 37 years ago today 
wasn't on a Sunday, but it was 37 years ago on this date. She called me on the phone and asked me how to become a Christian. She had known my ministry, and I was associated with some of her family. And we led her to the Lord over the telephone 37 years ago today. And her husband never has become a believer. And yet, in spite of the fact that her husband never became a believer, she got baptized and became a faithful member of the church, did some of the best cooking and worked with the women, organized meetings, and labored for the Lord uh, more than 20 years. And now they live in Virginia. Her husband is still an unbeliever, but both of her children have graduated from universities. One of her children, the oldest son, is a uh, professor at a well-known university and teaches creation science. And the father in the home never has become a believer. So I'm telling you that God does some wonderful things when we put our faith and trust in His Word. And I'm glad to tell you that all over the world where the Word of God is preached, Jesus saves. And it's not about what school you went to. It's not about what country you're from. It's about who do you believe in and who have you trusted Uh, your soul with, your soul that's never going to die. David was what God calls a man after God's own heart. And we all know that David had some things in his life that he was ashamed of, as many of us do. Most of us, if we would admit it, there are some things we'd rather not talk about. There are some things that happened in our past that God forgave us of and God uh, 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 gave us victory over and, and, and got us going in the right direction. And we're walking with God today because of His grace, not because of our uh, superior attitude or strength of character or anything like that. It's because of God. And God's the one that enables us to praise His name. And, and, to, and, and, if, and I would be like most people if, if it wasn't for the calling and the hand and the burden that God's put on my heart, I'd be content to sit and keep my mouth shut. Most people do. Most people don't say anything. But David said, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to make my dark sayings known. I'm going to tell people about my relationship with God. I'm going to tell them what's in the closet. I'm going to tell them about my past. And that's an important thing because uh, people that you have never met are depending today, their eternal destiny is dependent on whether or not this generation will continue to tell what was passed on to them from the last generation. And if you're not going to open your mouth, you know, my wife and I travel a lot, and your pastor and his family has traveled a lot, and we go out in the countryside a lot of times and see these beautiful little church buildings with the sun shining down on the steeples, got a cross on the top, little white building out in the meadow, and you say, my, it'd be wonderful to go to church there. It looks so serene and peaceful. And the truth is, in most of those churches... They have a cemetery. Did you ever notice that? There's a cemetery out in the back. And you know what? If you go to services there, most of them are closed. There's not any services. You know why? Because all the members are out in the cemetery. And the reason all the members are out in the cemetery is because they did not open their mouth. They were only concerned about their family and their friends and their little close-knit group to have social interaction and church dinners and fellowships, and they never got the vision for reaching lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Consequently, their church died, and all their members were in the cemetery, and the building remains today, but no testimony and no ongoing 
perpetuation of the message of God, which David said, I will let this generation know that their children and their children will know the God of heaven and they will know the works of God. Wouldn't it be good if your children knew more about you than the money that you're going to leave behind? More than the car you're going to give them at graduation? More than the house that you're going to leave to them? Wouldn't it be good if they said, I'll tell you one thing about mom and dad, they loved God, they loved His Word, and they loved His people. I was at a funeral. I was asked to allow the church that I was helping to use their building for a funeral of a man that they said was the was a faithful man of the church, and he was well-liked by everybody. I didn't know him. He passed away. He was sickly when I got there, and he passed away before I met him. And so I said yes, and I, I conducted the funeral. And they used the building. They had a meal and everything. But they asked me if they could show a DVD of the man's life. And I said, certainly. And they showed a DVD of the man's life, and here was the man in his string of fish, and here was the man in his boat, and here was the man in his vacation home, here was the man in his hunting experience, and there was never a mention of the man in his church or his Bible or his gospel in any of the pictures or any of the testimony at the funeral, except what the preacher said. There was nothing about his life. He was well-liked, but he, didn't, he wasn't liked because he loved the Lord. He was liked because of what people could enjoy with him. And here, there was no memory of him. You know, I, we lived in a big house in Rhode Island. It was a 28-room Victorian mansion. And our family would come over, and we had seven fireplaces, and there was a lot of activity in the house. And when my grandchildren would come to the house, I'd take them to the back room And in the quiet stillness of that room, I'd say, let's have prayer. I didn't want them to remember that their granddad was the steward of a big house and had a lot of nice things and fireplaces. I wanted them to remember my granddad prayed to God. I prayed with him. I remember when granddad took us in the back room and we had prayer. Wouldn't it be good if your family remembered more about you than the things you have and the places you go? Wouldn't it be good that they remembered that you had a relationship with the unseen friend, the shepherd that's been mentioned in Sunday school this morning, the one called Jesus, who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Wouldn't it be good if they knew him because they know you? That's what the world needs. The world needs Jesus more than they need what you can leave them. And David understood that. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So David said, I will open my mouth in a parable, a simple story to illustrate a moral spiritual lessons. And I will utter the dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. And so the lessons are plain and likely to benefit those who uh, recognize their own lack of knowledge about the things of God. We need to pass those things on. You know, when you look at a congregation, this is amazing to me. It happens at the airport, too. I go to the airport some, and when I see someone at the airport, I say, now that looks like a preacher. And I'm getting all ready to, you know, get acquainted with this preacher and then he uh, tells some dirty story or he makes some remark to a, 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 a bad moral conversation with somebody. 
And I say, boy, uh, I can't, I can't pick them. I can't, I just can't because we don't. We all look like we got a testimony, but we don't all have a testimony. See, that happens. I was in a restaurant one time eating with my family, and we pray at the restaurant. Even when we go in the restaurant, we pray. And a lady came over and started witnessing to us and handing out tracts. And I said to my wife, "Why doesn't she hand the tracts out to the people that don't pray?" But we want to get around people that are like us. We want to get around people that we're comfortable with. We're not too comfortable being around the people that need what we've got. We, we would rather surround ourselves with our comfort level is with people who are like us, and they have what we've got, and it's those who are out there on the other side. They need what we've got. See? That's why God put us in the world. He said that we could be conformed to the image of His Son, Romans eight twenty nine, that He, His Son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. God saved you if you're saved, and He saved me so He could save other people. We're tools in His hands. God wants to use us to reach other people with the gospel so they can escape hell, so they can live for Christ, and so they can be used in God's hand as His tools. What a glorious uh, opportunity that God's given to us to live a life for Him. So David said, I will open my mouth. Wouldn't it be good if every Christian said, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to say something. We do that when we get angry, you know. I mean, when that neighbor parks on your, this far on your driveway and you're sitting around the dinner table, you say, I'm going to say something. I'm going to, I'm going to say something. But when it comes to the gospel, we say, well, you know, not everybody believes like we do. No, no, they don't believe like you do about parking on your driveway either, but you're going to say something about that. See? And we need to get the attitude, I'm going to open my mouth for the Lord. I'm going to talk for the Lord. That's what He saved me for. He saved me to be a witness for Him. He, he said, you're my witnesses, saith the Lord. A witness is one who tells what he knows by experience. Have you got the experience of being born again? That God saved you to share that experience with other people. And so he said, I will open my mouth. And uh, then he said, uh, the things, uh, verse 3 said, which have been communicated to us, these dark sayings. These dark sayings, uh, the word is used uh, about six times in the Old Testament, this phrase, two-word phrase, dark sayings. And it means uh, several different things. In numbers, it means dark speeches. In judges, it means a riddle. In uh, kings and chronicles, it means hard questions. In Daniel, it means dark sentences and... Other places, it means something entangled or intricate. Now, I don't know about you, but your past, my past, can be pretty entangled and intricate. I mean, when, and especially if we're not paying attention to the Lord as He leads us along, we can sure get confused and get a, get a life all mixed up. And, and, then we get a, and then we get a lot of things what we call in our closet. We like to leave things in the closet. We don't want to bring that out. We don't want to talk about that. But if God gives us victory, we ought to tell... The story about how God gave us the victory. The idea here is that David said that these intricate, obscure things, these things that are not well understood, I'm going to lay it open. I'm going to make it plain. And so I think this is, a, this is one reason I like to see young people journaling. I like to see them journaling because when they grow older, they'll remember what God did for them early in their Christian experience. I think people ought to keep journaling in their life. And they ought to write down their experiences on what God's done for them and the prayer requests that they have. Because you know why we, we have so many prayer requests? 
But we don't often talk about the answers that God gives us to prayer. Not many churches have a list of prayer answers or praises, but they have a big list of requests. And we ought to be quick to answer and say, God's been good to me, and here's the answers to prayer that He's given to me. And churches, I mean, especially this church, so many blessings and so many answers to prayer should be rehearsed, and God should be praised over and again for what He's doing and what He's attempting to do uh, with the ministry of this church. And so David said, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to make the dark sayings known. I'm not going to hide from the future generation what God's done. And I tell you, I was over in the, I was over at the Union Baptist Church building with your pastor, and there's some old books and old records and things over there. Churches don't have to wind up like that. Churches don't have to wind up with a lot of broken down pews and dusty old song books and books of records and no people around. They don't have to wind. The reason they wind up like that is because the congregation never was involved in evangelization. It was only involved in socialization. And there comes a point in time where you have to decide, are we here for what the Lord told us to do or are we here for our own personal benefit? Are we here just so we'll feel good or are we here so God can use us as tools in His hands to rescue other people who were just as lost as we were lost before Jesus Christ came into our life? So David said, I'm going to make it clear. I'm going to make it plain. Now, now remember, <coughs> there are, there are a, a number of dark sayings. Of course, uh, the Old Testament was the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And in Hebrews, it tells us that there were shadows, but the body is Christ. Everything that the Old Testament says about salvation and sacrifice, Christ is the one that projected that image. And in the New Testament, we see it fully enlightened, so we understand who He is and that He spoke to us through types and shadows, but the 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 cross and Jesus Christ as our Savior fulfilled all those types and shadows. And so David said, I will open my mouth. And then he said, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. Verse 4 and 5 of Psalm 78. I, he said, I will show to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. David said, I will open my mouth and I will praise the Lord. He said he established a testimony in Jacob. And he said he appointed a law in Israel to make them known to their, and they should make them known to their children. So not only do we need to tell our children and grandchildren the importance of knowing God's Word, but we tell them about others who loved and served the Lord. David said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make these dark sayings known. I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to praise the Lord. Now, can you imagine the stories that... Now, remember, if I, I don't, I'm not going to take the time to do it, but sometimes I would say, what do we know about David? Well, we know about David. He was a shepherd boy. We know that he had a ruddy complexion. We know that he was probably just a teenager when he was anointed by Samuel to be king in Israel. He didn't, he didn't ascend to the throne for many years because King Saul, who was the people's choice head and shoulders above everybody else. The people's choice tried to kill him all these years. But God's choice was David the shepherd boy, who was the son of Jesse. When they came to anoint one of the sons of Jesse, they didn't even call David to come in from the sheep coat. He was keeping sheep. And so Samuel said, "Isn't don't you have another son? Because God hasn't chosen any of these that you brought before me. He said, well, we have one named David. He's with the sheep. 
He said, bring him in. They anointed him king in Israel. His brothers hated him. And uh, you remember when they got in the battle with the Philistines, that the sons of Jesse went to the battle and David stayed with the sheep. And you'll remember that his father told him to take some parched corn and cheese and take it down to his brothers who were fighting in the front lines. And they were in the trenches and no battle was going on because Goliath was saying, Give me a man. And if he can take me, I will we'll surrender to Israel. But if I take him, you'll be my servants. And they were all afraid of him. Nine foot nine, Goliath of Gath. By the way, Gath is the place. Goliath was a Palestinian. That's where, the, that's where all the grief is still coming from today against Israel. And so Goliath, <clears throat> David went down and said, Is there not a cause? His brothers hated him. And they said to him, Eliab, his oldest brother, said, I know the naughtiness of your heart. You've come down to spy on us and to see how the battle goes. And, and he didn't, he said, No. He said, Is there not a cause? There's a cause. I'm glad to tell you there's still a cause. There's still giants to be slain. There's still work to be done. There's still people that need to be saved. And there's, God's still looking for people like David who have a heart for God. And are willing to step up and say, I can do this in the name of God. I'll do this for the glory of God. David had no aspirations for fame or fortune. He had no, uh, no uh, particular uh, idea about being king. But he had the idea about doing his father's business. He had the idea about surrendering to what his father wanted him to do. And so there he was. And Now, can you imagine him telling his children... He said, you know, I wasn't always a king. There was a time when nobody listened to anything I said. I was just a shepherd, and I, I took care of the sheep, and I, I had to protect them from lions and bears and animals, but I really wasn't well-known and wasn't well-liked. And you remember he became best friends with Jonathan. And he could tell that story, how that God put them together, best friends for life. And uh, he could tell them the story about how he killed Goliath and cut his head off. I like that part. That's, that's pretty gory. I don't want to get too gory. It can get pretty bloody when you think about cutting his head off with his own sword. And so David had a lot of things that he could tell. But just looking at him in the crowd, you'd say, well, there's nothing different about him. I'm just like he is. You're not just like he is. He was a man after God's own heart. He had a lot of history, a lot of stories to tell. He had a life. And he said, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to... I'm going to expose those dark sayings, those secrets that are in my life. I'm going to let the world know that Jesus has changed things. God's used me for His glory. And people today need to not just sit around and look like the lost and look like the world. We have some things in us that need to be exposed. We need to let folks know what God's done and what God can do in an ordinary human being's life. And God said that He'd use the simple things of the world to confound the mighty. He'd use, the, he'd, he'd use that uh, with the foolishness of preaching. So David had uh, been anointed by Samuel while he was but a lad to be king. Saul tried to kill him for years. David said, I won't lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. And he went on faithfully waiting on the Lord. No, no, he didn't have to have it his way. No, no, he didn't want to become king just to have it. He waited until God moved him into that position. I heard of a church that fired their pastor, and I said, to, I said, where in the Bible do you ever find a place where it says you can fire your pastor? 
And soon after they fired their pastor, he died. I said, if you had just left things alone, God already had an agenda for that man. God never made our churches into democratic organizations. No, no, they're, they're pastor-led organizations. And David knew that God, if God wanted him to ascend and to rise up higher and to become the leader in Israel, that it would be in God's time and that God would empower him to do it. Our problem today is we have a lot of pastors that don't have the authority of God to preach anyway. So whether they vote them in or vote them out, they don't know what they're doing anyhow. But if you have a man of God that knows he's called of God, he knows he's got God's authority on his life, praise God for that because it's so rare in our society. And we thank the Lord for your pastor. David, remember he had an account with a woman named Bathsheba. This was some of his dark sayings. Oh, yes, he had Bathsheba's husband murdered. And he had an affair with Bathsheba, a beautiful woman that lived near enough to him and was uh, was beautiful and was an exhibitionist. She went out and displayed herself so the king could see her, and he took her for himself, though she was another man's wife. And he took her, and they conceived a child, and the child died. And David took blame for that. And he said, Against thee, Lord, against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. David, who read in Psalm 71, it breaks his heart that he has these dark sayings, these things in his closet, these things in the past. And, and yet God calls him a man after God's own heart. And that tells us that no matter how far you go and how deep you fall, that God's able to restore you. If you come back to God with a heart for God, you can be used of God. God went, uh, David went all the way from a murderous adulterer to the king in Israel to the one who would become the one who prepared the temple of God and his son would build it and his son was called the wisest man that ever lived. That's quite a heritage. So whatever David sacrificed by telling the truth about his own dark sayings, God blessed in a marvelous way. God blessed his life, blessed his son, and blessed uh, his work. You know, Adoniram Judson, a missionary that you might know of, cried out and said, I will not leave Burma until the cross is planted here forever. Thirty years after his death, Burma had 63 churches, 163 missionaries, and 7,000 baptized converts. It's, It's important that we make up our mind to be transparent, to open our mouth, to praise the Lord, and to let our dark sayings be known and not be ashamed of the gospel, but thankful for what God's done for us. That's what's so important about repentance and altar calls is because when we come to the altar and we ask God's forgiveness, we can get up as clean and fresh as the new-driven snow and, and the things that we've done in the past can be removed from the guilt and burden of our life and God forgives us and we're able to have a testimony for the Lord. I know one time uh, I was visiting with our pastor when I was just uh, about 20 years old and someone called the pastor and said, do you know who that is that you're, that you're with today? Do you know what a sinner that man is? And he was talking about me. Just because I'd been thrown out of high school and had trouble with the police, why should they say things like that about me? See? So they called the pastor. But because I'd been to the altar, and because I'd confided in the pastor, and because I had... I had turned my life over to Jesus Christ and was living now for God and going to church. He was able to say, yes, I know all of that. 
And uh, he's not like that anymore. That's the, that's the need for public uh, repentance. We need to repent as much publicly as our sin was publicly. Now, if it's private, keep it private. But if everybody knows what a wicked sinner you are, then everybody needs to know what Jesus did in forgiving you and making you a new creature. And that's why David said, I'll open my mouth. I'm going to tell these dark sayings. I wasn't always a shepherd, and I didn't always remain an adulterer. God broke my heart over that matter, and he said, I'm going to let those dark sayings known. And he said, I want the next generation and their children and the next generation to know where we came from. And if we don't do that, we're not going to pass anything on except a smile and a picture. We need to pass on something more than that. We need to pass on the faith. And David said a third thing. He said in verse number 6, at verse number 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Keep His commandments. I've met a lot of people who say things like this. You've heard them. Well, you don't have to go to church all the time. We don't have to tithe all your income. We don't have to support missionaries. We don't have to go uh, to church Sunday nights. We don't have to go to church on Wednesday night. And you know, they know more about what they don't have to do than what God requires them to do. But in Hebrews, it tells us that we ought to, uh, even so much the more as we see the day approaching, we ought to get, become more and more involved with God and more and more active as we see the evil days coming. Peter said, don't think it's strange because of these fiery trials. God predicts that we're going to live in perilous times. Men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's no surprise to a Christian. But it ought not to be the thing that weakens us or causes us to back off or retreat. I was talking to a church who had quit giving to missions, and they quit having Sunday night church. And I said, I want to ask you something. They thought they were a Bible-believing, fundamental Baptist church. I said, I want to ask you something. How many things do you have to retreat on until you're a compromiser? See? If God puts something on your heart, you can't just decide arbitrarily that he didn't mean what he said. And David said, I will keep his commandments. Wouldn't it be good if God's people said, if the Bible says it, I'm going to believe it and practice what it teaches. I'm going to do what God said, uh, even when it's difficult, even when the weather's bad, even when I don't feel like it, even when others try to talk me out of it, I'm going to do what God requires of Christian people to do. And if we'd live like that, David said, I'll keep his commandments. I'll open my mouth. I'll praise the Lord. And uh, (coughs) if if we do that then we could be like Charles Spurgeon who said our motive is this, oh, that God could be glorified. Oh, that God could be glorified, that Jesus might see the reward of his sufferings, that sinners might be saved so that God might have new tongues to praise him and new hearts to love him. Oh, that sin was put an end to and that holiness and righteousness and mercy and power of God might be magnified. So it's not about becoming like a mega church and having big sound systems and entertainment programs and and uh, all, the, uh, all the amenities that, uh, that humanity can offer, that's really not uh, holiness. And so we must not hide from our generation what God has done for us and he will, what he will continue to do for the next generation and the next generation. David said, I will open my mouth, I'll praise the Lord, I'll keep his commandments and then in verse 9, he said the children of Ephraim, 
being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They turned back in the day of battle. And verse 10 says, They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law and forgot His works and His wonders. You ever know somebody that is a, they used to go to church? They used to teach Sunday school? They used to preach the gospel? They're has-beens? They were once words? And somehow Satan has tricked them into thinking that it's all about them, and it never was about them. It's always been about the Lord. If we don't come to the church to worship the Lord, we come for the wrong reason anyway. Amen. And so <clears throat> David said, I will not turn my back in the day of battle. I will not turn my... You know what? Let, let me read something to you. Christianity is so entangled with the world that millions never guess how radically they miss the New Testament pattern. Compromise is everywhere. Does that sound right? Do you agree that compromise is everywhere? Well, guess what? That was written by A.W. Tozer, who died 52 years ago. 52, more than 52 years ago, A.W. Tozer said compromise is everywhere and that, uh, that people never guess how radically they miss the New Testament pattern. And it's getting worse and worse and worse as time goes by. And David was just making a statement. He said, I may not be able to build the temple because of God said, I have bloody hands. And, but he said, I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to tell the past. I'm going to tell where we came from. I'm going to tell what God did in my life. I'm going to make my dark sayings known. I'm not going to hide the cleansing that he did for me when I was blood guilty with Bathsheba and the baby and with the, her husband. I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to let my dark sayings be known. And so Tozer said, compromise is everywhere. David said, the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turn back in the day of battle. That's what many people are doing today. They're turning back. They go and hear that, oh, no, you don't get a free lunch every time you go to church. Oh, no, no, the preacher's not going to pay your electricity. Oh, no, we're not going to pay your rent. And they go and find out that church is about God. It's not about each other. Oh, it's about each other. We ought to love one another and we ought to care for one another, but we, we need to understand that it's, it's not a democratic organization where it's all about what we get out of it. We come to church because God loves us and because we want Him to be number one in our life. And David said, I'm not going to turn back on that. I am not going to turn back. You know, before I got saved, I was a quitter. I quit everything you could quit. I had a lot of jobs and all of that when I was a young lad. And when I got saved, you know what? I quit quitting. God gave me something that's real and cared about me. And I never experienced that before from any people in the world. And I'm so glad that God loved the likes of me, a sinner that needed so much and had so little to offer. And I like David. I like to think that I can go all the way to my grave in the same direction without turning my back. David said, I, I'm not going to turn my back in the day of battle. And I don't care how hard it gets. I, don't, I, I'm not, I'm not, I hope I don't get put in a cage and dropped in the river. I hope that doesn't happen. I, I hope I don't get persecuted physically for uh, telling about Jesus Christ and calling myself a Christian. But I'll tell you one thing, it really doesn't matter because he's done so much for me. Hey, I, amen. He's done so much for me. And I, I wish I had time to tell you all the things. He's done for me. 
Compromises everywhere. And the children of Ephraim did not stand by their brethren or assist them in defending their country. They refused to cooperate with their brethren. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Sometimes when we get a little pain, we forget all the blessings. Sometimes we get a little pressure, financial pressure, peer pressure, family pressure. We forget all the blessings that God's given us, and we just throw it all out because our neighbor won't be happy or our spouse or our children or our, somebody won't be happy, so we just give up on God because, I mean, if God was real, he'd make everything work and everybody would be happy. Really? Did you know that God's worked with a minority of people all through history, never with the majority of people? It's always been the majority that hated God. But the minority that loved the Lord and kept his commandments are the ones that he blesses and he promises them an eternal reward. I'm glad to be part of that minority. And I hope that God will help me to walk all the way to my grave. I told you this before, but I told my wife to put on my tombstone. He tried. And that's all I have to do is to do the best I can with what God gave me to work with. That's all he requires of any of us. You don't have to be what your pastor is or what somebody else is. But God forbid that you wouldn't be the best you could be with what God made you to be. God wants you to serve him with all your heart. He said, that's the greatest commandment, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, and all thy uh, soul. And, if, and, and the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. There was a woman on an airplane, an older woman, white-haired, small-framed, receding in health. She was on an airplane sitting next to a businessman, and the plane got in a storm, and it began to bounce around. I don't know if you've ever been on a plane when it went through a low-pressure system or something, and it dropped, and that's horrible. I've, I've had that happen a time or two. And uh, this one was just sitting there seemingly at ease, and she was humming the words to the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And the man sat next to her. He said, aren't you afraid? She said, not at all. Smiling confidently, he said, I'm a Christian. I've given my heart to Jesus Christ. And then patting his arm gently, she continued, not so long ago, one of my daughters died. But because she was a radiantly beautiful Christian, she's in heaven today. I have another daughter who's in Denver where this plane is supposed to be going. I'm looking forward to visiting with her. But the truth is, it really doesn't matter to me which daughter I visit first. Wouldn't it be good if we got to the point where we knew that we were right in the hand of God and that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose, not our purpose? Wouldn't it be good if we had that kind of trust for God? I'm looking forward to going to heaven. I'm not looking forward to the passage but I'm looking forward to meeting Jesus Christ. What a radical change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. And what he's done for me, what he did for David, he can do for you. If you'll take Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you'll confess your sins to him. You'll confess you are a sinner and you'll ask him to forgive you of your sins. He promised to do that. For he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And now, I don't know if the children sang the things. Oh, they didn't sing this one, but that's another one. They could sing the things I used to do. I don't do them anymore. And praise God for what a difference comes into your life when Jesus. You say, well, it hadn't been like that with me. It's not his fault. It may be because you're dragging your feet because you're not opening your mouth. You're not telling your story. You're not making your dark things known. And you're not keeping his commandments. And you draw back when times get hard. No wonder you're not having a good relationship with God. You've got to put your best foot into it if you think you, whatever. We have these dark sayings that we say all the time, you know, what goes around comes around. We have these little things that we believe that really are not Bible, but we believe them. You only get out of something what you put into it. That's Bible. It says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if you want to have the best relationship with God, take my advice and the advice of David. Open your mouth. And be a testimony. Praise the Lord and keep His commandments. And if you'll do that, you can't imagine what a different plane of joy you'll be on by serving the Lord with gladness and coming before His courts with singing and saying that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are the sheep of His pasture. And if you get to that place in your life, the seemingly insurmountable odds and difficulties that you face will suddenly become just stepping stones to blessings that you may not now know about. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask the pastor to come to the platform. If you're here today and you're not absolutely certain that you would go to heaven if you died, this is your great opportunity because God said that He meets with people at church it's the pillar and ground of the, church, of the truth. And God meets with people at the house of God. He wants to meet with you today. If He's speaking to your heart, I hope that you'll surrender your heart to Him this morning. If you're a Christian, I hope you'll say, Lord, help me not to draw back. Help me not to keep my mouth shut. Help me not to hide my history from the future generations. But help me, Lord, to be everything you expect me to be in my generation. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for the intent way the people have listened today. I pray that you'll change hearts and lives and glorify your son today. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.